Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're looking at David in this series of messages, looking to find qualities that make a leader worth following. And I love how David's life is summed up in the New Testament book of Acts. You're going to see that up on the screen. Acts 13, 36 says this, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, and he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. Now, isn't that great? Essentially, what that is saying is, that's how I want to be known too. I want to be known as somebody who did what they could to make Jesus known in my generation, to do what I can to be able to serve God with my life, with this gift that I've been given, and to be able to give that back. And so too, you and I, we have a calling, we have a purpose, and that is to serve the Lord in our lifetime, to do what we can to carry on the mission of Jesus with the time that each and every one of us have. We have a calling to be the kind of person and leader worth following, to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today, doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And we're going to talk about the ability to have patience and to wait for the opportunities that God opens up for you and me. Now, honestly, I think it's really difficult for all of us to be patient, isn't it? It's hard. We don't like to wait for anything in life. We don't even like to wait for the the pizza rolls to heat up in the microwave, right? Or if you're in the drive-through line and you get so frustrated because it's not going fast enough because we somehow think that fast food means instant, and it doesn't. Sometimes we get frustrated, and you know the age-old saying, never pray for patience, because God will answer your prayer by giving you all kinds of things in life that are frustrating. We're not people who are very good at waiting, but the reality is, right, waiting is a part of life for each and every one of us. We don't always get exactly what we want, exactly when we would like it. Can I get an amen to that? This past six months since March has certainly tested that in our own lives. So many things, right? Delayed or canceled. Maybe you had a trip that you were so excited about and you had planned, and it's been postponed or canceled. Maybe you had uh, those special summer events or fall events, those annual events, and those got canceled. Back to in-person school has been this delayed process. Fall sports have been delayed. We're just learning to live in this delayed society where everything is tentative. And as a leader, for those of you that might be in leadership positions, that the challenge in this season is all about timing. When is it right to keep doing what we've been doing or to start back? And, and we have to come around all of these various decisions around timing doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. That's what we're going to learn about today. In this message series we watched as David, he demonstrated humility in the first series that we looked at, in the first message that we looked at. He demonstrated humility as God selected him as king and Samuel anointed him for that task. And then last week we looked at the fact that David had a loyal friend, Jonathan, who encouraged him and who spoke into his life in the lowest moments of what he was experiencing. And all of us, we need close friends who will speak into our lives and help to tell us the truth and to encourage us. And this week, we're gonna look at a time when David demonstrated great patience. He did the right thing, even when it wasn't popular. 
today's temptation can turn into tomorrow's triumph when you make the right choice. So let's pray as we get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for calling us together in this time and place this morning. Lord, we truly are grateful to be here together, to sing songs of worship, and to learn from your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us this morning to hear from your spirit exactly what you would want for each of us this morning. For you have given us a great gift of life and breath. And Lord, we want to use it in the best way that we can to serve you and to serve your people in our lifetime. And so, Lord, I pray. I pray that you would speak through these words this morning and that they might touch our lives and our hearts in a powerful way. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen. So when we left David last week, he was running from King Saul. King Saul absolutely could not bear to watch somebody who was much younger than him um, grow in popularity. He had defeated the giant Goliath. He, he was becoming known all around as this wonderful man of courage and of bravery, and it drove King Saul nuts. He was so jealous, he couldn't even see straight. And so um, this forced David then to go and to be a fugitive, to hide out in the caves, in the wilderness. He was developing a small army of men. But this whole time, he's running from King Saul, from 1 Samuel chapter 18, all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 20, or 31, 18 to 31, he's running from King Saul in this way. David knew that God had anointed him to be the next king of Israel, but he had no idea when he would be able to take on those responsibilities. All he knew during those years, not months, but years, was that King Saul was dogging his steps every day, waiting for David to be vulnerable so that he could wipe him off the earth. And I want to pause here for a moment because sometimes jealousy can creep into our lives and our hearts too. And it's so hard to deal with. What do you do, perhaps, when a coworker or a subordinate or one of your friends is, is more technical savvy than you are? Or they're becoming more popular or, or whatever. I know sometimes, you know, for, for young people, it's hard when a, a sibling is better at sports than you are, or better at grades than you are. And sometimes we can just get jealous. Maybe you're scrolling through Facebook and somebody else's family looks just perfect and yours is struggling, going through a hard time. How do we handle that? How do we handle that when that creeps into our hearts and lives? And the question is this, am I really able to say that I really want the best for this person? I really want the best for my sibling. I really want the best for my friend. I really want the best for my coworker. How we handle it is really determinant of our character. If we want to be a person of character, if we want to be a quality of a leader worth following, it really depends on who we surround ourselves with. And top-notch leaders, they want to surround themselves with people that they can invest in, and they want them to grow, and they want them to be successful, and they want them to do well. That's what we want, right? You want your grandchildren to do well, and you want your children to do well. And so we invest in them, and we want them to be the very best that they can be. That's what I want us to think about. Do we truly want the best for others 
and how can we make that happen? So continuing on with the story, David and his men, about 600 strong, they came to a place called En Gedi, and I wanted to put a picture up there so that you could see this. I actually had a chance to go to Israel a number of years ago, and I actually went to that place. But this En Gedi place is really wonderful because it's an oasis on the western shore of the Dead Sea. And there's a whole bunch of these barren mountains. They rise straight up from the shore that you can see in that picture there. The mountains are limestone, they have lots of different ravines to them, lots of different caverns that you can see there. Sometimes you'll see a wild goat or something in those mountains. But En Gedi was a perfect place to hide because it provided protection and there was water there for the people, a natural lookout spot where David could see for miles around to guard against his enemies coming. And so we come to this fascinating and dramatic scene in scripture and like the climax of a movie, you can just imagine the music is starting to swell and the chase is on and now they're gonna find themselves in the same place together and your heart beats fast. What's gonna happen? 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse one, this is what it says. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 <clears throat> chosen men, sorry, <clears throat> chosen men from all of Israel, and he set out to look for David and his men. And he came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave, and the men said, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. David crept up unnoticed, and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Sometimes I just chuckle at scripture because it certainly tells it like it is, doesn't it? Saul, he had to go in and relieve himself, take care of the basics of human nature, and it's recorded right here in scripture. And you can sort of picture how this happens. You know, they're out with the big sun and his eyes haven't adjusted to the cave and Saul slips in so that he's facing the outside of the cave and he goes in to do his business. And little does he know that all of David's men are in the back of this cave. Their eyes are very sharp and they see this as a huge opportunity. Are you kidding me? Our enemy is right there, and they pull out their daggers, and they are ready to get this guy in his most vulnerable moment. And David puts up his hand to stop the men, and I can just see him at that moment. His heart is beating, and he's trying to wonder what in the world he's gonna do, and he has to make a decision. And as much as he would like to thrust that blade into Saul, he chooses not to do that at that moment. And he goes and he just cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. And he sneaks back into the cave with all of his men and he waits there for a moment. David's men can't believe what their leader has done and neither can David, yet their feelings don't reflect each other. The men think that he's done too little. He thinks he's done too much. Rather than gloat, he regrets. This is what the next part of scripture says, verse five. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. What is the right thing to do here? 
David feels bad that he even cut off a corner of the king's robe because he's still the anointed, protected one of God. His men over here are saying, are you kidding me? This is the time that we had him. He's been chasing us for years. You missed your opportunity. And Saul, not really knowing any of the wiser, finishes his business and walks out of the cave not knowing anything had happened. And what I want us to wrestle around this morning is this important truth. You're gonna see it up on the screen. Being a leader worth following means doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Being a leader worth following means doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and we have to wrestle around with that. We have to wrestle around with that question in all the different things and places that we find ourselves. Sometimes a leader will feel the pressure of having to make a decision, and the consequences of that decision can affect a lot of lives or a lot of people. Maybe you're even thinking about some of those decisions with your family for Thanksgiving or Christmas. What are you gonna do? And there's a lot of pressure on that. There's also the pressure to be an example for the people that are watching you. Just like David was an example for all of these other men who were looking at him. What are you gonna do, David? How are you gonna respond? Sometimes there's pressure to give in in the heat of the moment and to make a quick decision. And the decision that would have felt really good for David at that moment would have been to get rid of this one who had given him so much grief for so long. God told him that he was gonna be the next king. Why not help God along? But I think in that moment, when David's heart was beating, when he saw Saul in a vulnerable vulnerable, uh, position, I think David's heart began to beat fast. And the best thing to do in that moment is to take a moment to breathe and to check your gut. What is your gut telling you or what is God telling you? In the midst of that moment, what is your gut telling you? What is God telling you? To pay attention, not to give in to the pressure of those around you because all those other men wanted him to get rid of Saul right then. But you see, David understood that God was ready and willing and able to take care of him. Whenever God got ready, then Saul would be moved out of the way and David would ascend to the throne. But David remembered that God did not need his help. How many sins are committed because we get in a hurry? Because we are under pressure to give in to others? Because in a crunch we cut corners that we would never probably cut otherwise? How many mistakes do we make when we are not willing to wait for God's timing? Being a leader worth following means doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. So I want you to think about what kind of decisions are you facing right now? Decisions about your family, decisions about when to go out and what to do and all of those things that we have right now. What's the right thing to do at the right time for the right reason? And who perhaps is is, uh, putting some pressure on you? What's your motivation for making that decision? Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to make happy? Sometimes life doesn't always turn out the way that we expect and there's this gap between what we think we should be able to do and what we can actually do and what do we do to fill that gap in between? Do we try to take matters into our own hands or are we willing to let God work out the process in the way that God needs to? 
Sometimes when we take it into our own hands, we have to be careful because a moral shortcut can lead to a spiritual dead end. You might make a, a decision in the heat of the moment that you regret later. Chuck Swindoll, he calls revenge life's most subtle temptation. And indeed it is. For who among us has not felt the sting sometimes of unfair criticism when we want to lash out to make sure that they know the truth? Who here has not been disappointed by someone close to you and there's this little part of us, isn't there, that want that person to hurt just as much as we did? It may have been at work when you were passed over for a promotion when you knew that you were the one who should have gotten that. It may have been a coach who passed you by for a starting position even though you knew that you deserved it. It may have been some kind of friend who, who, who turned on you or, or even somebody who's, who's just on a different side than you are politically and it's just getting you all agitated inside. It's hard. And we have no control over things like that. We have no control sometimes over the timing of life. We wish we did. We wish no one would ever let us down. We wish no one would ever disappoint us. We wish no one would ever turn against us. But it happens. And it happens to all of us. But when we choose to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, then you can hold your head high like David did. This is what he says in verse 8. Then David went out of the cave. This is after Saul went out. David went out of the cave and he called out to Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down. And he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you. David chose to be patient. He chose to depend on God's timing, not to take matters into his own hands. And he became an example to his men of restraint, of, of being able to trust in God's timing and to wait on him. Standing strong in today's temptation can lead to tomorrow's triumph. Do what you know is right. Don't repay evil for evil. Do good to people, even those that get under your nerves, even those who give you grief. Be patient. That's what God calls us to do under any kind of circumstances because the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what is right. I want to close this morning with this story. There was a wise older monk and his young apprentice were walking together along a forest trail. And the monastery had a strict rule forbidding all contact with women. So they came up to a river, and, and this river had a fast-flowing current, and there was an older woman who was weeping by the side of the river. She asked for help, saying that she couldn't cross the river on her own. And without a word, the old man, the old monk, went and picked her up, and carried her across the river. He set her down, she went on her way, and the monk and his younger colleague continued on their journey. Two and a half hours passed, no word was being said. But the young man, he was just seething uh, on the inside. And when he could contain himself no longer, he blurted out, my Lord, why did you carry that woman across the river? You know, you know that we are not allowed to even touch a woman. 
And the wise older monk looked at the younger man and he said, I put her down hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? If you want to be a leader worth following, if you want to be a person of character in this world in which we live, you have to learn to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And I want that to ring in our hearts and lives this week, doing the right thing for the right, at the right time for the right reason. And I want that to bother us and I want us to think about that in all the decisions that we make this week. And there are times in life where we do have to be patient and to trust in God's timing. And some of you, you might be in some kind of season of waiting right now. You're waiting for circumstances to change. You're waiting for for some kind of something. You're trusting God, but you haven't seen the results yet. And you're trying to be patient. Keep trusting. Keep trusting in God's timing, depending on him to come through for you. And others of you, you might be in some sort of a leadership position and you're facing one of those large decisions right now. Take your time. Be patient. What does your gut tell you? What does God tell you? Seek God's timing and make the right choice. Let's pray.